0: Hey, foreclosure fix family. My name is DJ Lojo, and this is the foreclosure fix podcast where our goal is to help 1 million homeowners successfully navigate foreclosure. If that goal resonates with you, please do us a favor like, subscribe, and tell a friend so that way we can help more homeowners. I am so excited about our podcast today because I have Melissa Bowling on the line. How are you doing today, Melissa? I am great. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much. Well, Melissa is a servicing expert. I get tons of questions and and people always ask me about, you know, what does the servicer do or who is this person sending me my statements? And so I thought it was beneficial to bring Melissa on today. Melissa has been in the servicing industry since what 1994 or so and she has managed through her various positions as a vice president over 1.8 billion dollars of portfolio and receivables and so she has a wealth of experience in around 2004 she started a servicing company which is now known as allied servicing that services all types of mortgage notes partials and things like that. And so she is just a wealth of knowledge and she brings years of experience, expertise, and most of all, working with homeowners to save their houses. And so, Melissa, again, we are excited to have you on today and help our listeners understand how the servicing industry works.
1: So by and large, most lenders do not administer their own loans. They may make the loan or they may buy the loan, but they almost are never the face of the loan. You're generally working with a servicer who is going to send you your welcome package. We are going to post your payments. We're going to monitor your insurance and your property taxes. We're going to be the voice on the phone when you call. There's exceptions to that rule. There are banks that service their own loans, and so you get a loan from you know, your local bank and when you call, you call your local bank and you speak to them. And, and that's common as well. But overall, the very largest portfolio of loans is serviced by a third party. And so that's one of the things Ally does is we provide servicing for our clients. So the lenders pay us to be that point of contact for the borrowers during the time that they're paying on their loan until the loan is sold or until the borrowers pay off or refinance or otherwise the loan changes hands.
0: Okay. So you said a few things there that I think we need to rewind on and just kind of highlight. So you're telling me the servicer in most scenarios is not the same as the lender.
1: That is absolutely correct.
0: Got you. So these are two different parties. There's somebody who actually owns the loan, but then there's also you all who come in and you service the loan and you act on behalf of the servicer. So if I am thinking about this correctly, I would liken a servicer to a property manager in real estate, that somebody may own the property, but the property manager is doing all the work on behalf of that holder. That's exactly what we do. Awesome. Awesome. And so, you know, for our listeners, you know, a lot of times people have complaints about servicers, maybe how long it takes servicers to produce a payoff or how long it takes me to get somebody on the phone with the servicer. Can you kind of explain to us like what the delay is, what takes so long and why is the process so frustrating?
1: Well, there can be a lot of reasons as far as why you can't reach your servicer. That's probably if you're calling them on the phone, that's a really unusual problem to have. You may have to wait in line because there are other people with questions. And sometimes it's a seasonal thing. So everyone knows in January, you're looking for that 1098 so you can file your taxes And that is the time when historically servicers have overwhelming numbers of phone calls. Where's my 1098? Where's my 1098? Where's my 1098? That's been mitigated in some cases. A lot of them are now available online via their portal, or you can go through their phone tree and actually select a non-human related option that gets it sent to you via fax or email, or otherwise you're just going to have to wait for it to be mailed. It just kind of depends on how the servicer operates. But there there can be times when it is difficult to get a hold of them if there are things going on, such as in the last year or so, there have been these homeowner assistance funds that opened up in the states to help borrowers who were affected by covid and were were delinquent and needed help getting caught up. That created unprecedented volumes for servicers as well. But generally speaking, if you're calling the main number and you are working your way through the prompts if they have them to get to a person, you might have to wait a little while, but it shouldn't be a ridiculous amount of time. As to things like payoffs or requests that you're making, you have to remember you're not the only person who requested a payoff quote that day or that week or that month. And so you're put in a queue, but in each case, your loan docs have to be reviewed. Do you have a prepayment penalty that needs to be included on the quote? What are the recording fees for your local jurisdiction that need to be added to the quote? Is there any kind of interest rate change or escrow change that is upcoming or pending that may affect how your quote needs to be produced? Are you delinquent and in foreclosure? And do we need to obtain the legal fees and costs from the attorney so that they appear on your quote so that if you do pay off or you do reinstate, you've paid everything that was due? Because you want to be You want to be at zero after either of those transactions. And so it's not simply a matter of us just pushing a button and a payoff quote comes out. We do have to do some human things before the computer can generate that quote, and then we can send it to you or your lender. But overall, in most cases, you're going to see that a a payoff quote should be turned around to you in three to five days. Now, if if you have a portal access, You could certainly go in and kind of get an idea of where your quote's going to land, but always you need that official quote to know exactly what is due.
0: And I think that's really helpful because I think people in general, especially those who are trying to get a payoff before foreclosure sale or trying to get a reinstatement quote before foreclosure sale, they get upset because they call in or they email in or write in and they can't get it the same day. And they're just like, hey, I'm trying to pay you. Why are you not trying to take my money? And I think that that context is very, very helpful for a lot of our listeners because it's a process to it. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about a couple of different things that you said. You talked about borrowers who may be in foreclosure. You may need to get legal fees or legal costs from the attorney, right? Mm -hmm. And so how is a servicer set up to handle those borrowers who are current versus those who may be delinquent or in foreclosure? Help us understand like the different departments, because sometimes, you know, I'm on the phone with a servicer and they'll say, well, we have to escalate you to a different department or to loss mitigation. Kind help, help of our, help our listeners understand what that process looks like, because can't anybody just help us?
1: Well, unfortunately, the larger the servicer, the larger the portfolio, the more compartmentalized it becomes. So let's talk about Allied for a minute. We are eight people. So when you call Allied, you almost always can talk to whoever answers the phone. They can usually answer your question, but not always. Even with eight people, there are things that have to be handled by certain staff who are experts in that area. And as a servicer grows and becomes very large, the front end staff can't be trained in all of the nuances of everything. They can answer general questions. What's my next payment due? When did you mail my 1098? can i get a copy of my documents things like that that they could definitely do that did you get my last payment How was it applied all of that can happen with your general frontline staff but as soon as you start talking about things like foreclosure each state is different each state has separate rules and so oftentimes a servicer's default department is even divided between the states themselves Is it a non-judicial foreclosure, meaning it's just notices and then a sale? Is it a judicial foreclosure where we're actually going to go to court and we're actually going to speak in front of a judge and there will actually be hearings? Each of those have their own nuances. And if you're in bankruptcy, that adds yet another layer of complexity because it's a very complicated process to navigate through. And so what they're trying to do is they're not trying to pass you off. They're trying to get you to the most expert help Possible. And also, the one who can do the most for you. Because the further you're escalated, the better the chance is that they can do things like negotiate a payment arrangement over the phone if you're, say, two months delinquent. They can probably set you up with an arrangement so that you don't go into foreclosure, so that you don't incur legal fees. And many times, there's no cost at all. They'll say, okay, you're going to pay your regular monthly payment and say, one twelfth of your total delinquency. And so by the end of a year, you're going to be current. Or, you know, there's any number of ways they could do it. They might be able to approve a deferral. They might be able to do things for you because you're on the lower side of the delinquency. But, you know, as you become more delinquent, options do minimize. The earlier you act, the more options you have for saving your home. The longer you wait, the fewer options remain. And so you have to be routed to the most expert person who's going to give you as many possible options as you could get so that you can save your home. And so that's important. And escrows, even escrows, the payment of taxes and insurance, it doesn't sound like it should be difficult, but it can be. There are places where you have three or four taxing authorities. There are places where insurance becomes very complicated because in some places, homeowners has a wind component. In Florida, You have to get windstorm and you might need flood insurance. You might need to make a claim under any or all of these policies. And so, again, the idea is not to pass you off. The idea is to get you to the most expert person for your immediate need. It may take longer to get to where you need to be, but in the end, it's going to save you because you're going to know all of your options and
0: deal with a person who's expert in your situation. Got you, Melissa. Melissa. And thanks for the explanation, because now I think I have a little bit more grace for servicers, not, not too much, just a little bit, but well, you, we got it. <laughs> you talked about, you talked about workouts, right? Mm-hmm. And you talked about the longer you wait, the less options become available to you. And so a lot of the folks who are listening to the podcast are in pre-foreclosure or actual active foreclosure. Mm-hmm. And you know all the emotions that come with that. And you know all the kind of frustrations that come with that. You've probably been on the other end of, of, of phone calls where somebody's yelling at you. Absolutely. <laughs> help us understand what someone in foreclosure should do when they call the service. What should they be asking for? What information should they be getting? What should they bring to the table? Help, mm-hmm. help our listeners understand that piece.
1: The biggest piece of advice I have is call early. Call even before you've missed the payment if you know you're going to miss it because there are things that can be done for temporary issues like unemployment, medical leaves, catastrophic car failure. It happens. People can't make their monthly payment because they had to replace a transmission. Call when you know. Be honest. Explain the situation and have a plan. Even if it doesn't get accepted, Have a plan. Have an idea that you're going to be, you're going to say, hey, I need to miss a payment, but I can make a quarter payment on my other payday for the next couple months. Propose a plan. Think about it. How do you want to get out of it? Because the servicer can't give you money, okay? The lender is also not a charitable organization for the most part. This is an investment they expect to be paid according to the promise that was made in the note when the borrower signed it. So while we understand things happen, we also need to know how it's going to be resolved. So call early, call with a plan, apply for loss mitigation. And what that means is you ask for the loss mitigation application. The lender will send it to you. They will also send a list of all the things you need to provide. Make sure it's all there because we can't evaluate you for options till you submit a complete package. Don't Not send your savings account because it only has $25 in it, because then it looks like you're hiding a bank account. Don't not include the rest of the adults in the household, because if there are five working age adults in the household, but only one of you is on the loan, we still expect those other four to contribute to the household expenses, whether that's directly towards the mortgage payment via, say, a rent payment, or whether they're carrying the utilities, or someone is responsible for the car payment, or however your arrangement works. Talk about everybody. Make sure that you are giving a realistic view of your income. I can't tell you how many applications I see where the borrower has filled out the application in good faith. They've provided all their copies. But on the application where they total their income and they total their expenses, the expenses are hundreds if not thousands of dollars more than their monthly income. That right there, if I see that, I literally can't give you an option. Because you can't actually afford your regular monthly expenses. Never mind your delinquency, you can't cover your monthly expenses. And so sometimes it's a good exercise for people to understand where they are at from a budget standpoint. But complete the application, complete it by the deadline, make sure everything's in there, send more information than they ask for if you need to, to explain your situation. The better idea we have of what you're going through, what's going to happen, when the situation will resolve, You know, what kind of income are we talking about, the better chances we can come up with a plan. And the earlier you apply, again, a two-month delinquency is far easier to repay and make a plan for than a one-year delinquency. So it's always best contact early, ask for loss mitigation. If you submit a complete package, we have to put the action on hold until a decision's made. So that even ga- gains you some breathing space. You can be starting to put together, you know, some additional funds to try and make a down payment against that delinquency or to reinstate. You can be looking at things like local agencies that offer utility assistance. You, you have to think outside the box if you can't make your mortgage payment, but maybe you can get assistance for utilities, Internet, any number of other agencies that will have food. Definitely. You, you want to look at those options as well. And then what you can expect is your lender's going to, or your servicer's going to come back to you and say, okay, your lender can offer these options. Some of them are retention options where you stay in your home and you keep it. That's usually a forbearance, a modification, a payment arrangement. Then there are non-retention options where, like I said, you got an application where they can't afford their monthly expenses. You're going to say, okay, We will hold off for 90 days while you put your house on the market to sell so that you can save your equity and start afresh in a home that you can afford. Or they may say, we will offer you a deed in lieu foreclosure where you basically you give back the house instead of going through the foreclosure process. And of course, at any time, you have the option to refinance. There's never anything stopping you. Go to your local bank and credit union, the place where you do your business. Talk to them about your situation. Credit unions are great because they are far more flexible about personal situations and they have a mandate to lend in their communities. So their job is to extend credit to the people in their community. So they're a great resource, even for, I mean, I don't usually recommend getting a loan to fix a delinquency problem, but sometimes a signature loan, which requires no collateral, will get you current on your mortgage and the payment terms are so reasonable with those credit unions that it actually saves the house and it saves your situation. And so there are options, but your your service is going to bring you your options, even if the
0: only option is you need to sell or refinance, Melissa. I, I couldn't write fast enough as you were kind of <laughs> as you, as you were kind of talking there, right? I got like five or six Sorry. different questions, right? No, no, no. That that's great information. One of the things that you touched on was all the stuff that the barber needs to provide to the servicer. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, you know, I work with people, I talk with people, I deal with people on foreclosure, and they are not computer literate or they you know don't know how to send an email. Mm -hmm. What do you suggest they do? Like, how can those people still get these options if they can't, you know, email back and forth? They don't have to email. Most servicers will
1: mail you the application. They'll send it to you regular mail and you can collect your bills because a lot of folks who don't use their computers or online banking to pay their bills, they get a traditional statement in the mail. They write a check every month and they mail it out. You will get your statements in the mail, or at least you know who to call. You can call your utility company and say, hey, I need a copy of my last monthly statement, and they will send it to you. You can take those things. You can go into any, I would go to a UPS store or a library, make your copies, and then I'd put it all together, and I would send it to the U.S. Postal Service. We always recommend, I mean, I am like a commercial for the U.S. Postal Service. I'm not going to lie. We always recommend the flat rate priority mail doesn't matter how much you put in the envelope. if it fits, it ships for like nine dollars and you get a tracking number and you know it arrives. But mail it in. mail it in. We don't require email. There's never any requirement for that. Some servicers are really big and have a lot of technology where you can do it all on their on their website, but you don't have to. They have to work with folks who don't have access for some reason. perhaps you know they're disabled and they can't get out to do these things, you know, and again, Delinquency happens. If nothing else, the American public knows that everyone has struggled with their mortgage payments. Since 2008, delinquency has been in the news. We all know it happens. Don't be ashamed to ask someone for help. Ask a family friend, ask your banker, ask a financial advisor. Ask for help. Ask them to help you put the package together. I have clients in my portfolio who are functionally illiterate. They can't read or write, but they get someone to help them so that they can maintain their home because they've, um, they've achieved home ownership, which is a big deal in the U.S. now. That's they've huge. achieved home ownership, but they get the help they need to keep it. Do not be ashamed of delinquency. Do not be ashamed to ask for help, even if it's from your servicer. We're used to it. People call us every day. How do I save my home? That's our job. Nobody wants your house nobody. Repossessed property, it's not the best answer for the lender because then they've got the property. They've got to they've clean it out. They've got to rehab it. They've got to sell it. And they are going to take a haircut. That's why they offer modifications. That's why they want you to stay in your home because nobody wants to take your house. The goal, though, is you have to pay. So you have to pay. Or you can't stay. There's there's no there's no options in 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 home ownership in lending. You have to pay to stay. You made a promise. You have to keep it. And that means on your first. That's on your second position home equity line of credit. That is on your utility loan if you put solar on your house. All of those. When it comes down to it, a note is a promise to pay.
0: Yeah. It's funny you say that because I work with a a closing attorney and like anytime, you know, you're selling a house and the borrower signing their pack of a hundred different, you know, documents with their initial and stuff. He always says, he said, look, these documents basically say in a thousand different ways. If you pay, you stay. If you don't, you won't. Right. And that's the thing. That's exactly it. And I think you said something that I think a lot of people are are challenged with is that, you know, the bank doesn't want your house. They don't want it. They want your payments. They mm-hmm. want them on time and they want them in full, but they don't want your house, right? And so right. I think that that is a huge misconception in the industry. And I think something that homeowners, especially those who have, are having financial challenges, need to really understand is that finding a way to kind of pay the, the note and the mortgage and, and making sure that you are doing what you're supposed to be doing, holding up your end agreement is really important. And if you can't, it's not necessarily the end of the world, but you have to let somebody know. You know, you can't just stop paying thinking that no one's going to do anything. And so to to that side, Melissa, can you give us an example of like a good workout or a situation that you've had where you've seen, you know, it work out very, very well for a borrower?
1: I have a loan in my portfolio. So we opened our doors in like 2004. Gotcha. And this loan has been with us nearly since the beginning. And interestingly enough, this loan was with me when I worked at my old conventional job and was a servicer for a big company. And this loan happened to also transfer to Allied as an asset to service. And this particular customer had some real challenges. She had had some delinquent tax issues. Prior servicer had paid all of those taxes. So she had this huge amount of taxes that were sitting out there on her loan as an advance. She got behind her loan documents called for interest to accrue on this, that tax advance. And in the end, she was in a pretty, pretty bad place. We were able to negotiate a workout. She makes her regular monthly payment plus a specific amount that goes towards those advances. And as long as she makes payment every month, that's kept her out of delinquency. She has been paying on that and performing since probably 2008. In spite of many challenges, she got injured at work. She was put on long-term disability. She's had all sorts of other issues, but she has made that payment every month and she is almost completely in the clear. So her payment's about to drop about $370 a month because she has performed and she's kept her home all this time through all these difficulties because it was her priority. She made a promise and she kept it. She only had one month since probably 2008, where she could not make her forbearance payment. And I was able to, as the servicer say, based on your pay history, we can give you that month of grace so that you can get back on track. And then she got her issues solved. She started right back paying and she's been this great success story. And she's, she's going to pay that house down and she's, she's going to own it. She's going to keep it. And I think it's just great, but made contact And she kept her promises and she made her payments and she's always communicating. If something comes up, she calls as soon as it happens. She she keeps her servicer in the loop. We are just because, look, we don't know why you didn't make the last two payments. We are going to assume it's because you no longer want or can afford the house. That's the assumption with silence. So communication
0: is really key. One of the things that I've seen a lot of and that I have a question for you on how services deal with is around escrow payments, right? Mm -hmm. So I know there are many people who have escrow payments in their, in their, in their mortgage, you know? And so people get frustrated and people get upset because just say their normal payment was a thousand dollars a month. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it jumps to $1,500 a month Mm -hmm. and they're saying, Hey, I got a fixed interest rate you know, I've been paying on this loan good for 10 years. Why are you asking me to pay $500 more a month? I can't afford that. So what would you have those people do in those situations as it pertains to the escrows?
1: So first thing is escrow is based on the prior 12 months activities. That's all it's based off. Of. We look at last year, what did we pay for your taxes? What did we pay for your HOA? What do we pay for your insurance? at the base of it is you take all of those amounts and you divide by 12. And that's the base amount. I've got to have one 12th of those expenses coming into your escrow account every month. But if your taxes went up, if your insurance went up, if something hit that wasn't in the previous budget, now I have an additional amount that I've got to divide over one And I've got to collect that too because now we expect that larger tax bill will be the same for this coming year. Were you, did you go negative at any time? Which means that the budget for the prior year was too low and your balance dipped below zero. It's a savings account. That's what an escrow is. It's a savings account. If it went negative, we didn't have enough. So now again, that negative portion, 112, and we've got to have it all. And it can it can balloon. Escrow goes up every year, just It does. There's nothing we can do about it. There are very few situations where this is not the case. There are things, however, you can do to mitigate it. You contact your property taxes. You make sure that if you are entitled to exemptions or any kind of reduction in your taxes that you apply. And if you need to, you apply every single year. Some places you do, some places you don't. Varies by the state. For example, Texas is a great example. If you live in the property, you are eligible for a homestead exemption, and that is a significant savings on your taxes. But all you have to do is go down to the appraisal district, and in some cases, it, the form is online, fill it out, turn it in, you show proof that you live there, and bam, your taxes have been reduced. But if you're disabled, if you're over 65, there are other places where exemptions are available. Washington, where I live, I have to be over 65 or disabled to get any kind of exemption. They don't really have a homestead exemption. So, you know, I don't get that. But here's the other thing you could do. Every year, you're going to get a notice in the mail and it's going to say, we've assessed your property. We, the county, have determined that your property is worth X. And so that means your taxes are going to probably go up. You can appeal that because it's not based. Somebody didn't come to your house and look at your house. They looked at comparable sales in the neighborhood. So if you've got a castle down the street that just sold for twice what the other houses are worth, that affects your value. You can appeal that. In some places, there are companies you can call that will do the appeal for you, or you can can say, look, you can't assess my house at this because, let's say, my roof is 25 years old, or I've knob and tube wiring You know, things that would affect the value to a new sale. Take those steps. Appeal your taxes and make sure you're getting your exemptions. That will help keep your tax bill as affordable as possible. It doesn't wipe it out, but it helps. Insurance. Most people, they get a renewal package via email or in the mail, and they're like, oh, great, I have insurance next year, and they file it away. Did you look? Because I've seen insurance go up $1,000 a year. Hmm. Every year when you get your renewal package, you shop, you call, and you find out who can give you the same or better coverage for a better premium. But that's on you. The servicer can't do it. We can't appeal your taxes. We can't get your homestead exemptions. We can't shop your insurance. Allied's tiny. So we can do things like we get an insurance bill and we go, what? And we'll call the borrower and we'll be like, are you aware that your insurance is going up? But we're small. We can do that. A larger service, are they're getting thousands of pieces of insurance mail a day, yeah. right? They can't do it. But it's on you to shop that insurance. Make sure, because insurance companies too, they just tend to say, oh, okay, well, it's a new year. So we're going to assume that your property increased in value by X percent because that's typical for your area and that raises your premium. They didn't look at you personally. These are all things that are done by formulas and algorithms based on general values in the area, demographics, there's a lot of things that go into it. If if you have an agent who is shopping your policy annually, that's probably a big help, but you know, inform yourself. Go online, you can get a quote from an insurance agency in a couple of minutes, on the phone, via the web, and don't necessarily get stuck on the big names. And, and and ask around, who do your friends and family have? Are they happy? Are they good claims coverage? Do the premiums stay reasonable? For example, I am a legacy with USAA personally. My dad served in the military for 30 years, so I'm eligible for USAA. If you've got any kind of military background and you're eligible, go with them. My insurance, I save more in premiums per year than I pay in premiums. My discounts are higher than my premiums.
0: Hmm. Wow.
1: Because they are specifically for the active military and veteran community. But there are other insurances that are like that. There are other memberships that can help you out. You know, definitely look into things like if if you're older, AARP, get your discounts, apply for them. But again, homeowners associations, there is absolutely nothing you can do other than get on the board. I think that's all you can do. (laughs) to Try and mitigate homeowners associations. So POA, HOA, any of those condo associations, any of those, not a lot you can do about that. You are stuck with their increases, but on your property taxes and your homeowners insurance, your windstorm, your hurricane, your flood, whatever insurance you're carrying, there are things you can do, but you have to do them. You have to take control of your homeownership experience.
0: Gotcha. And Melissa, you know, another thing too that I want to add is that make sure, too, if you are older, a lot of states, in addition to homestead, also have a senior exemption, too, where you can, you know, get rid of your school taxes because you don't have any kids school age in the house. So, like Melissa said, it is definitely your responsibility as a homeowner to find every discount, every way to save money because. Every municipality wants more dollars to spend. Every insurance agent wants more on their premium. And it's our jobs as homeowners to try to keep as much money in our pockets as we possibly can. Melissa, with that, this is my favorite part of the podcast. I'm going to head into the bowtie round. And the bowtie round is where you get to tie one on with our guest, Melissa, right? And so we have three questions in the bowtie round. The first is, the B, sorry, is for the best advice you would give someone who's in foreclosure. The O is for one thing you are grateful for right now. The W is for your wildest or most interesting foreclosure-related story. So let's tie one on. What's your best piece of advice, Melissa?
1: My best piece of advice is, as I said earlier, I make contact with your servicer. Do not be taken in by the numerous number of foreclosure avoidance scams that are out there. You should never have to pay for foreclosure assistance. It's free with your servicer. It's free with a reputable foreclosure assistance agency. If you're paying for it, they're not your advocate. They're not doing what you need. So contact your servicer first. They want to help you. We want you to pay. We want you to keep your home. Foreclosure, it helps no one. So communicate, don't pay for assistance. Big scam.
0: (laughs) Thank you. And and, and she can't reiterate that enough. There are so many scams out there and foreclosure assistance from the United States government is always free. And your servicer wants you to call them. That's the same reason why when you call your servicer, they answer the phone is because they want your call. Now you may have to hold, may have to wait, but they want your call. So- the next question is one thing you are grateful for right now.
1: you know, but I'm grateful for a lot of things. You know what i'm I, I'm definitely I'm definitely uh, grateful that not only do I personally enjoy my home ownership, I like that I work at a place where I can help others have that same experience. I'm grateful that I have this small company so that we can give them that personal attention to really help when they need it or otherwise. I've got clients I've never spoken to. They make their payment by ACH, and then they pay off one day. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm grateful for all my borrowers, but you know those those are definitely they're few and in between, but they happen, and I wish that for everyone.
0: Nah, awesome. I am. I'm grateful that you have pink here, and it matches my bow tie like perfectly <laughs> with the, you know with the pink back. So hey, I, I'm grateful that we co- coordinated our, our our podcast today. The last thing is, what is your wildest or most interesting kind of foreclosure? related story.
1: All right. Well, this foreclosure didn't end up with the borrower saving their home, but it gives you an idea of kind of what you can have happen from a servicer's perspective. We had a property, this happened to be in Pennsylvania. This was several years ago when I first got into doing this for myself, the servicing. We started foreclosure and Pennsylvania is a very long state. It takes a long time. It's judicial action. Borrowers would get going in the foreclosure, we'd be a year and a half in, they would file bankruptcy. And then they would get dismissed because they didn't succeed in their bankruptcy plan. And then we'd start with the foreclosure again. And it took so long in the foreclosure that they would file again. And there was nothing barring them because there had been so much time between their filings. Mm -hmm. We did this three times, three total bankruptcies. It was 7 years to get to foreclosure sale. Wow. And on top of that, when we had the sale, they did vacate the property, but they had like a foreclosure party in it. So they destroyed the inside and then they locked two dozen stray cats into the property.
0: Wow. Hmm. So- <laughs> This is why we don't want to take property back. Oh, my goodness. I, the banks <laughs> you know, would have paid you to keep the house at that point. <laughs> at that point, you're like,
1: no, well, oh we're goodness. good. We're good. But that's why we don't want to foreclose because these are the things that happen. There's so much damage. I know there's a lot of cities and even some of the smaller cities where there's all that damage that occurs because the borrower leaves, they've given up, and then someone comes in. You know, You heard about it, stripping the copper removing everything that wasn't nailed down and even some things that are. Or the property is just destroyed before they leave. They're like, well, if I can't have it, nobody can kind of a thing. And we don't want to get into that kind of an emotional situation. We know it's their home. We know. And people are just like, it's my home. I can't leave it. But sometimes that's the only option because you literally can't afford it and there's no way out of the hole. And we'd love to help you. But in some cases, the math is the math. And if you can't make that monthly payment in full every month, you've got to look at other options. You've got to be okay with, believe me, it is far less personally hard to sell your property on your own and move out than it is to have your neighbors see your stuff get put on the curb because you had to be forcibly removed. Yeah. So emotions run high. But start early, contact early, and let's find a solution because obviously foreclosure doesn't work
0: out for us. No, it does not. You know, it does not at all. Melissa, I think today's podcast was phenomenal. I, I really appreciate the advice you have given the listeners and using your real world perspective and the things you deal in every day. Is so helpful to our audience and I think will really help people light a little spark under them or, you know, light a fire under them and, and get them moving to say, hey, the servicer is not your enemy. They are your ally. So with that, Melissa, how can our listeners get in contact with you or your company? Should they want to follow your journey or reach out? Or if they're, if they're is serviced by Allied, what, what's the best way to kind of connect with you all?
1: So the best way to reach Allied is always via phone. We always answer. It's a human. There's a few options there. Like if you just need our address, you can press you know, two or something like that. But you can call us at 877-893-0240. We are open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific time. So we're, we're behind all the East Coasters. But we're always happy to speak with you at any time about your loan. You can also email us. Our general mailbox is info. So that's I-N-F-O at allallservicing.com. And that mailbox is monitored by the two owners, one of which is myself. So you will definitely get an answer or you'll you'll definitely get to the right person to give you what you've requested. So those are the two best ways. And of course, if you are a customer with Allied, log into the portal, allservicing.com, borrower registration, client registration, however you need to reach us. There is information for you online as well.
0: Please note, if you are not a customer of Ally, you don't want to call them to talk about your loan. They really can't help you. you. So make sure you're calling your servicer, right? So again, Melissa, we appreciate you joining our podcast today and appreciate your great advice. You are going to be hard to beat. So with that, hey, this wraps another episode of the Foreclosure Fix podcast. Please like and subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps us get out to more people who can use this beneficial information. With that... Thanks for being a part of the show today. And again, thanks for being a part of the Foreclosure Fix family. We love you. God bless you. The views and opinions on this podcast are for informational purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice. If you have a specific legal question, we highly recommend you contact a qualified legal professional.